Everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. I want to jump on in this today, and I want to uh, say how thankful I am for all the hard work the staff puts in, and the volunteer teams, and there's so many folks here. And I'm just really proud of you. Today we continue our theme for the year, which is how do you build a future? Say that with me, please. Come on. Every year I try to answer one question. I try to pray and ask God for a question, and, and I mean, sometimes I get the question from you. Some members will say something to me. And uh, if, any, you know, if I feel like something else needs to be talked about, we jump into that too. We'll just put, put this on the side and talk about that. But this theme for the year has been very important to me because that's my question. All of us want to build a future. And each month I've set out to talk about that. Last week's sermon notes have all the whole year in one big summary because I summarized the year last, last sermon. But today I want to turn to the next answer to that question, how do you build a future? How do you build a future by building with a flexible, teachable attitude? Can you say that with me, please? Come on. A flexible, teachable attitude. If you're going to build a future, you have to have a teachable spirit. If you don't, there are many things you will never learn. You have to be flexible. If you're hard to move, <laughs> it makes it more difficult. It, it's just not possible to get you to certain places. And so I want to look at three basic lessons that we will learn in this series. And I'm going to give you just sort of like a, a down-the-road peek. Today we're going to talk about the fact that you're hard to move as long as you are distracted. And the key word is distracted. Can you say that word, please? Come on. Distracted. If you're a distracted person and you get sidetracked by certain temptations, certain habits, you will end up like Israel, unable to be moved and you'll miss certain opportunities. The second thing that I'm going to show you later on is you'll be hard to move if you follow stubborn leaders. The people you follow impact your capacity to move because what they'll do is they'll make it easy for you to be stubborn. And I'll show you how um, hard-to-move parents create hard-to-move children. If you're always right, they'll think they're always right. Their goal would be to be like you, always right. Because daddy's always right. So my goal is to be what? Always right. Mama says what's on her mind, so guess what I'm going to do when I get to be a teenager? Tell her what's on my mind. I will have no restraints. And, and you wonder where that came from. Well, you. Think about it. You taught them well. Third thing we'll talk about is something that's a little bit of a surprise in the, in the study that I was doing. But when you, you'll be hard to move if you, and, and I, I really need to change these words a little bit. Let me rephrase a little bit. I have don't train your children. But what I really want to say, if you are hard to move, it will be hard for you to train your children. Children not being trained can, can, it's really seen in Judges chapter 1 through 2. And you can go ahead and read these verses ahead of me if you'd like. And in this study, you're going to learn a few weeks from now that one of the big problems that Joshua had was they stopped training the children. And that's when the nation fell apart. When the children are no longer a priority. It's all about the adults. And you stop telling the old stories. So they don't really know what happened. And that's why a lot of young people do what they do today, because they don't know what happened. All you have to do is go through a major financial crisis. I mean, one where you just kind of lose everything. You just 
you're, you run the risk of losing your house, your car, your job, everything. And then when you come out of that and you get some money, oh, you got a lot of sense. <laughs> everything looks <laughs> different to you. You're old, yes. If you go through a bad marriage, I mean a really horrible one, and, and you're just fussing and fighting, and then when you get into a good relationship, oh, man, you love him to death. You change, you change your, your, your view. Now, statistically, sometimes that doesn't work out for a lot of people but, um, because they keep doing the same things. But the people who are flexible, who are willing to change, learn from their past experiences. That's why on this job, they're on time. They're early. Come to work 30 minutes early. You wonder why they're here because they got fired the last time. That's why they're here early. They're here early. Early. There are certain experiences that change your life. I'm going to give you one right now that I'm going through, which is fascinating for me uh, because I, and I don't mean this in any insecure way, but it's really true. You want to know the truth? Come on, say amen. Do you? Yeah. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm 59. That's amazing to me. Wow. I, I can't say I'm young anymore. I am, but I'm compared to someone who's 80, 80 or 90, I'm young. But compared to most people, when I'm in the room, I am normally, in most cases, not in this case, because some of you are older than me, but, but in most cases, I'm the oldest one in the room. Most of the time, on the elevator. <laughs> in various places. And it's fascinating. It's just fascinating. And then what's really even more fascinating is my body says it's 59 sometimes. <laughs> And if I don't work at it, and I don't mean just play, I mean work at it, it's going to hurt, not want to move, uh, make funny sounds I never heard before. And I'm thinking, wow, I see how people get like they get. You know, I used to see people and I wonder how they get like that. Is it because they, they don't pay attention? Look at your neighbors and say, things be changing. Things be changing. It changes. And it's funny, all you young people say, oh, yeah, um, you coming, don't worry, you coming this way. You coming this way, yes, you are. You keep on eating all them candy bars and all that stuff. I'm not against candy. I had some the other day. It was good, too. But I ate just a little bit. Everybody said, come on, a little bit. Mm, a little bit. I mean, really, I have to count them. I have to count them and throw the rest away. It's, it's, if I don't, and this is something I, for our church, that we're going to go back to a, a whole new balanced living program. I'm, I got this whole physical fitness thing we're going to put together. I had a meeting yesterday. I'm, I'm serious about this. I am serious. Because I'm telling you, if I don't, some of you, I'm going to have more funerals. Right here is where you're going to be. Right here. Right here. Right here. Let me show you. <laughs> you're going to eat your way here. Right here. I'm going to say some nice things over you, though. I'm going to promise you. I'm going to say some nice things. I'm going to they say I preach my best. They say I preach my best sermons at the funeral. That's what they say. That's some of them say that. That some of them come to hear me at the funeral. I got to go. He doing the funeral. I'm going to hear the funeral. Oh man, this is I, I get anointed. <laughs> now I'm saying that, and I, we're laughing, but I'm telling you the truth. We better take care of ourselves. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, come on, come on. We need to take care of ourselves. So my point is, if we don't pay attention to the facts, things get away from us. If we don't train our children, if we don't watch who we are following as leaders, if we're not careful and we get distracted from what really matters, 
our lives will end up in a place we don't want it to be. Let me show you an example of people that were hard to move and in the right direction. That's important for you to hear me say that. They were hard to move in what direction? The right direction. First Corinthians chapter 10. Now, what I love about the Bible is God gives you clear, honest answers. He just records what happened. And in Israel, at a part in their life, were very hard to move as a people. First Corinthians 10, verse 5, describes this, this, uh, this season in their life. And here's what he says. But with, but with most of them, First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, God was not what? Well, please. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Verse 6, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Verse 8, nor let us commit what? Sexual immorality. Let me pause. That word really is translated fornication in King James. I never knew what that meant. Let me just help you. If you don't know what it means, I didn't know when I was 15. I didn't know what that word meant. I had to ask somebody. They read it in church. and said, what does that mean? They said, that's having sex outside of marriage. Oh, was, oh really? Oh, that's wrong? I didn't know. No one ever told me. I never heard that ever in my life. And so that was news to me. All right? And, and I kept it. Well, what's the problem? Well, we'll talk about that later. Some of them did. And in one day, some of you want to leave already. Don't leave. Hold on. Some of, <laughs> some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. In verse 9, nor let us tempt, a big word, Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, that is God's quick summary. Paul the Apostle summarized Israel's history and a dark season in their their lives. And he says, let me give you a list of things that they did wrong. There were five things that were hard to do, hard to move in their lives. These five things distracted them, and it always threw them off. And the top of the list is something called lust. There it is. That's that's a a very profound word, and it it just simply means they crave things that were not good for them. There's nothing wrong with having passion. Let's be clear about that. I think Christians make a mistake going on this anti-love campaign. You know, all love songs are evil. Everything has to be about, you know, the gospel when you sing and every, every you know, conversation. I mean, I, I love Diane, but I, I don't think I'm, she wants me to say, hey, baby, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think she wants me to say more than that. I think there's, there's a balance in, in, in knowing how to place your affections, but there's a danger when all of your life, listen carefully, is always dominated by lust. Craving things that you know aren't good for you. And then you, you're always on this pursuit. And, and I, again, I want you to understand, I'm not against that, nor, nor is the Bible. I just think it's important to understand that for them, that was the big issue. We should not lust after evil things. That's what he said, as they lusted. Things that weren't good for them. Secondly, they were, they were hard, it was hard to move them beyond adultery. Adultery is to have an extreme ad- admonition or admiration for something that, that isn't good for you. It, it's putting really God beneath things. It's an extreme ad- admiration and love for the wrong things. And that's what Israel struggled with all the time. They always had a new God. There was always a new Lord in their life, a new hero, a new nation they admired more than their nation 
a new God they wanted to follow. Thirdly, they were always struggling. It was, always, it was extremely hard to move them beyond fornication. They were obsessed with sexual immorality. They were always, as they say, hooking up. It was, it was a constant issue. Now, don't get nervous, but it, it's, I talked about this in, in our midweek digital Bible study the other day. It was really, really a powerful, wonderful conversation. I like it because I can just talk to you, just me and you. And in that, in that I, last few weeks ago, I talked about how hard this is for people, how hard it is for people. Um, I think it was last week, as a matter of fact, two weeks ago. It's really hard for people to, to deal with this. And I understand that. What do you mean you understand? I understand. Sure, you, you, a lot of you understand. You just don't want to say you understand the church, but you understand. This, is, this becomes a dominant part of your life. And I, I, I just think you get that, number four. The fourth thing that was hard for them to move beyond was tempting, tempting Christ. They pushed the limits of, of moral boundaries, expecting to get a pass. You know, a good example of this is when Jesus was um, approached by, in Matthew chapter 4, and, this, and the Bible says that the, the devil said to him, said, hey, um, if you're the son of God, why don't you, why don't you cast yourself off this off this." Um, jumped off this cliff here, and, I'll, I'll, and the angels will catch you. And he says, you don't tempt the Lord your God, which means don't do something stupid and ask God to save you. We tend to do that assuming we get a pass. So I don't take care of myself, and then I pray and plan to be healthy. Really? Really? I eat what I want, do what I want, go where I want, stay up all night, doesn't matter. That somehow, because I'm who I am, I get a pass. I'm a preacher guy. I don't get a pass. I'm tempting God. If I, I, I talk to my wife any kind of way, I act all kind of ways and expect her to stay. Really? Really? I expect him to stay. Really? You're tempting. You, you're, you're, you're pushing the limits, assuming that because you're who you are, you get a pass. And this can't happen to you. But it can. Number five, complaining. <laughs> they were never satisfied, always unhappy, and always, always fussing about everything. Is that your life? Is that, is that you know, every church is a, is a flaw. I'm, fl- I'm flawed. You don't like me. You don't like what I teach. Yeah, he cracks jokes or he laughs too much. I don't like the notes. Okay, well, do it yourself. <laughs> Get your own church, stand in the mirror and preach to you. I mean, what do you want me to do? If you're not, you got to be careful that everybody makes you unhappy. And you complain about every job you get, every place you go. And here's something you might want to consider. Add up how many relationships you've had the last, however many, four, five, one, two, three, however many, and ask yourself, what happened to each one? Did you complain about each one? Was it the, the, nobody was perfect enough? Everybody had a flaw, and you're the, you're the key. You're the, you're the secret sauce to fix everybody. If everybody just did it your way, then everybody would be fine. You know, every church is flawed, right? He's too time conscious. He's going to end. He, look, he's clocking everything. Absolutely. You're going to be out here in a few minutes. Why? Because I want to go home in Jesus' name. <laughs> I want to finish too. There, you know, there's something about, maybe, maybe that bothers you, but I want you to notice for a minute, you complain about everything. And, it, and that was Israel's issue. They, they were distracted by complaining and began to dominate their lives. Now, that, that's an example of people that were hard to move. Let me show you two observations about people that are hard to move in the wrong direction. What direction did I say? 
Now, some people are easy to move in the wrong direction. Some people are hard to move in the wrong direction. Let me show you some people that were hard to move. This is in Psalm 1, and I want to show you there were two major things that I noticed about these people. Number one, they, they make wise life choices. That's the first thing I'm going to talk to you about. People that you, you try to get them to do wrong and, and go wrong, they, they, just, they, just, they make choices to say no to that. Then secondly, you're going to find that they have good life results. That these people, there are people that have good life results. You just can't get them off. And here's what the Bible says in Psalm 1-6. Blessed is the man, verse 1, who stands not in the counsel of, of the ungodly, nor sits in the what? Nor, 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 nor stands in the what? Path of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in his law, he does what? Meditates day and night. Notice the first thing. The people that are hard to move in the wrong direction are people who are careful about who counsels them. Everybody doesn't get to tell them what to do. They, they have identified people that they cannot listen to. You may love them, maybe your family, maybe a cousin, maybe your brother, maybe somebody you really care about. But be, when it comes to listening to these people, you've decided these are not the people that can advise me. Secondly, they, they are careful about the paths they choose. They say, I'm not getting on that road. I'm not saying those words. I'm not going to let you drag me on that path. I will not allow you to pick me up and plant me on this street. You will not. I, I don't live on that street. I just don't. There's something about understanding the path you choose. I've had moments when I've engaged people and they'll say something to me and I say, hmm, you're trying to get me on Fool Avenue new. <laughs> say, believe what you want to believe, bro. Have a good day. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to join you on Fool Avenue. You believe that? You believe that? No big deal. Why, am I, why do I need to convince you? What does, what does it pay? Am I getting a paycheck for this? Please help me understand. Believe that. It's all good with me. When people come to me, and, and normally I get a little signal. Can I ask you a question? I said, what do you want to ask me, bro? What's up? And they'll say something, and, and if it's, you know, if it's something that's, like, controversial, give me a political view. I want to know exactly what you think about A, B, and C. And I said, well, okay. What do you think about it? And they tell me, I said, okay, well, let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that. Time out. I mean, I'm not going to get on this road with you, man. Come, you come here with you all flared up, all nose all open. Come on, give me a break. I'm trying to get some sandwiches, man. I want to get a sandwich. <laughs> I'm trying to get back to the house and <laughs> put my feet up. <laughs> I mean, you got to say to yourself, do I want to get on this road with you? Let me move on, number one. Now, I do answer questions. I do challenge. I don't mind. I don't mind a little, little bit of sparring every now and then. But I think there's a point where it becomes foolish. And I don't need to let people put me on a path. People that are hard to turn in the wrong direction are people who say, I'm not going to listen to that counsel. I'm not going to get on that road with you. And thirdly, they say they're careful where they sit and avoid scornful or mockery-driven people. They don't hang around mockers. Calling people names and being insulting. Even in this political environment, let me just give you a little hint. Even in this political environment where you have strong political views and you want to say, I, just, I don't say certain things about the president, about anybody in leadership. I just don't. I give my opinion about that specific moment and I'll say something, but I'm not belittling and I'm not condescending. I just don't do that. I think there's a danger in mocking people. I think there's a, there's, there's a value in speaking truth to power. Can you say that? Speaking truth, speaking truth. to power. I think that's healthy. I think there's a, there's, it's a value in leadership 
to have open, honest, loving conversations where you can go forward. Tomorrow we have our leadership meeting uh, with all of our leaders here. It'll be a couple of 300 leaders or so, I mean, a lot of people. And we'll sit around, we'll have great talks, and I'll talk about what we're doing, where we're going, where we've been, our vision, and so on. And then, you know, we'll plan some other stuff to talk to the congregation later. It's all kinds of great stuff. We had at staff meetings this past week, uh, a couple of days. I went in all day, just talked forever, talked about all kinds of stuff, vision, let them ask me questions. It was powerful. And you want, what do you think? Where are we? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? There's an value in that. There's a value in having people work for you and you listen to them. But there's a, there's a danger in being a scornful person. You got to make sure you don't cross that line. I think that a, a lot of people do that. Women do it with, the, with their husbands. Men do it with their wives. He's stupid. He's an idiot. He's a fool. I can't believe I married this dumb nut. You know, okay. Wow, that sounds like Jesus. I'm telling you what. Is that your best spiritual effort? Is that your best shot? Is that your, big, that's your big move to make it work? Really? You're not going to get there like that. That's the wrong road. Fourth thing that they do that, that, that they don't do, they, they, they're careful when what they meditate. They're careful. I'm sorry, number four, they're careful what they delight in and enjoy. And number five, they're careful in what they meditate on. What you delight in tells me a lot about you. If I really want to know you, I just need to watch the movies you watch. Watch the TV shows you watch. If I really want to know who you are as a person, because that's what we're going to do if we're around each other, when we're relaxing, we're going to watch the movies you love. And if all the movies you watch have people hooking up all the time, and that's, and that's, that's entertaining to you, that's, that's enjoyable to you, that says a lot. And let me just say this to you, I grew up in a culture where that was normal. I'm not putting anybody down. Listen, there's nobody in here that has a bigger love for movies than me. I doubt it. Very serious. I'm a serious movie theater loving person. So much so to beat me, you got to get on a plane, go to New York and watch the theater to beat me. You got to get out and go to Vegas. I mean, I love it all. I love theater. I spend money to go do it. And, and I raise my kids to go see it. It's nothing for me to go to New York twice a year, take my family, let's go see something that comes out that I want to see. I ain't been a little bit, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go in a minute. I love it. The latest, listen, if there is a Superman, some superhero, I've probably seen it. I got, listen, I got Comcast. I got Amazon. I got, um, what else I got? I got uh, Netflix. I, I got them all. So if I want to watch something, I can watch it. I got it on demand, I got it on my phone, I got it anywhere I want to watch it. Tell your neighbors that he must love it, come on. But I have, to, I have to say what I'm not going to watch and what I am going to watch. I have to draw lines. There are some comedians who are funny, but I can't watch them because of what they say. I can't, I can't enjoy that. If I start enjoying that kind of comedy, if I allow myself to sit there, and I know I don't go to some of these shows that come in town, don't worry. My members are so hilarious. They go to everything. I know they do. And I, I know y'all, it's all good, Jesus' name, amen. I ain't, I'm not bothering you. And you, listen, if, if you're doing something, you don't have to worry about me sneaking around. I'm not, a, I'm not a private eye. I'm not trying to catch you. If I see you, I just saw you keep on moving. Praise God. Don't worry about it. Because I am not your God. I am not your Savior. Amen. I'm not the one. Come on, I'm not your Savior. I'm not the one. The most important question in those moments is, why do you enjoy this? How could you enjoy songs that say, I want to blank, 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 blank your baby. I want to blank, oh, blank, 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 double blank. Why can you, how can you sing that and then sing Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a 
Okay. I'm just trying to understand. Does the blank in the Jesus go? I'm just trying to figure that out. It's just a colorful language. I get it. Do not. I grew up around. Look, they said bad, big bad words around me. I know them all. I'm thankful that I don't say them all. Every now and then something happens, something will come to your mind. You got to say, <laughs> don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I grew up around fighting people. I grew up around people would fight. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like that. I believe in protecting myself. I, don't, I believe in my fifth member. I believe in all that. In Jesus' name, don't, don't, I like peace. Don't bother me. I just, I just think having said all that, having said all that, I, I'm not judging you when I say these things. I'm just being real. I'm trying to help you understand. There is a, I learn a lot about you, and you should learn a lot about yourself when these things are enjoyable to you. And, and, they're fun, and they are funny. But if you wonder why can't God can't bless you in some ways of your life, because it's hard to move you beyond those things. You are hard to move. Because it's, it's fun to you. <laughs> so here, here's what happens when you do things a certain way. You have a certain result in your life. Verse 3. Here's what the Bible says about people who make the choices to stay on the right path, listen to the right counsel, delight in the right stuff, not sit in the seat of the scornful. He says, you become like a tree, verse 3. A tree planted by the rivers of water. You, you, you're stable. When I see people who are unstable, you're serving God, you're not serving God, you're up, you're down. I, I know why. It's where they sit. It's the paths they choose. It's what they meditate on. It's what they delight in. Day and night. Their day and night habits tell me why they're here. And it tells me why I'm where I'm at. And then I notice also that people <clears throat> who make these choices are often fruitful people. That's one of God's greatest desires for you because fruitfulness feels good. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about just feeling like your life means something. Our church has to be fruitful. We can't just be bigger. Big is not a sign of fruitfulness, effectively touching people's lives. If when I finish today, you leave out of here and you're better and you're thinking better and your, your mind's clearer, then that's fruit. Then lastly, you become what, what he calls witherproof. I don't know if you remember this part or not where he says, you, you meditate day and night and you, you, you just don't wither. You just don't wither. And there's something about becoming a witherproof person who doesn't just fade away with the wind. Now, there are three observations about people who move in the wrong directions, too. And these are things you can look at and see. Look at verse 4. For the ungodly are not so. But, the, but like the chaff, which the wind drives away, therefore the ungodly shall not stand. You know what chaff is, right? When you burn up wood, the chaff right, flies away. Therefore, the ungodly are not, will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall do what? Three things. Number one, a person who's hard to move ends up becoming wind-driven. They're easily pushed around like the wind. Secondly, they, they have judgment issues in their life. Things keep going wrong. I want to just give you a chance to think about this for a minute. 
could it be if things keep going wrong that there's a possibility that, that something's not quite where it should be? Now, I understand something. I want to make sure we're clear. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Come on, quote that with me, please. Come on. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Believers have trouble. I'm not saying you don't. But there are some things you feel in your life shouldn't be here. Could it be judgment, for example? If you don't, if I see you unemployed, you don't have a job, and you're wondering why, okay, and we talk, and then the second job, you're unemployed, third job, fourth job. Could it be that you tend not to go to work on time? And that the losing of the job is judgment for that? Could it be that some of the things we feel physically are because of what we've eaten and done? Could it be that that's just the result? I mean, I think we have to pause and ask that question. And then I, I want you to notice the third thing he says about people that, are, that move in the wrong direction. Third thing he says, they eventually perish. One day you look up and it's, they're gone. It's, it's gone. The business has ended. The, everything just falls apart. Sometimes that's the reason. And it makes me ask myself, do I know anybody it's been hard to move, and now everything around them is perishing. Just think about somebody you know, and you see them, and you go, I know why that happened. I know exactly what happened in that family. I know exactly what happened to that cousin. I know exactly what happened. There's always somebody who knows the backstory. Those children don't like that because, I, because of their mom or their dad. I know exactly what happened. They're police officers who know. The police officer arrests the grandkid. And the police officer says, Look, I arrested his daddy. I arrested his grandfather. I arrested three generations of this whole family. And you're asking me, why is this kid in trouble? And there's something that, that's family tied to this. So in closing, here's a question. Are you hard to move? How long have you been hard to move? That's the question. Is it five years, ten years? How hard have you been? And does your life results have anything to do with, with you being hard to move? Could it be that these life results are tied to this? This church can't grow because of this. Could it be? Possibly true. You know, if you can take that moment and not ask about anybody else's family, just yours. Nobody else, just your family. Nobody, nobody just, just the temples. Forget everybody else for a minute. There are two community observations I want to make. We have a rise in crime because we have families that are hard to move. They, that, that, that's the challenge. We have a rise in crime because families are not deeply planted trees. And police officers don't do that. I know there are issues, okay? And officers would agree with that. The officers that do wrong, we should deal with them. We should deal with them fairly and honestly and quickly. But let's be real. Let's step beyond them for a minute. Is it possible that we have families that are hard to move? And we create an environment that's very difficult. Man, you combine that with leaders that are hard to move, you got a problem. And that's why next week I'll talk about that. I'll talk about leadership and how in Matthew 23, Jesus was honest. And here's what he said about him. I want to give you a little hint. He said these leaders were inconsistent. They're insensitive. They're celebrity focused. They're roadblocks to the young and seek those trying to seek God. They're abusive to the weak. They're masters at religious verbal judo. I can't wait to talk about that. They got a lot of religious verbal judo they use. And, and they're downright hard to turn. 
just downright hard. And so these are people leading us, and sometimes they implant in us a mindset that's not healthy. But I want you to leave with one question. I want you to ask this all week long. Am I hard to move? Is it hard for people who love me? And I heard somebody say this one time. It was so powerful. They said, you know, helping you is hard. I, I listened in on this conversation and it just touched me. They said, helping you is hard work. Getting you from here to there. Getting you to just listen to another idea is hard work. And one time I heard a guy say to another guy, he said, listen. He said, one day you're going to be talking to a wise person. And you're going to pretend you know everything. And then they're going to be quiet. And then you're really going to be in trouble because you're hard to move. And that's my question for me. And I give you that question for this week for yourself. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for this time. I pray that people would listen to this word and say, God, are you trying to help me? Are you trying to lift me? Have I been hard Have I been distracted by lust, distracted by fornication? I'm just cooking up with people. I'm I'm not even thinking about myself anymore. I'm just running after love relationships. I'm just distracted by all these different idols in my life. I put everything before God, everything before me. Oh, man, complaining about everything. That's all I talk about now is what's wrong on the job, what's wrong with my supervisor, what's wrong with the government always was wrong complain about my husband my children complain about my grandkids complain about my house complain about my car I just I've become distracted so distracted that God can't move me forward my friends can't move me forward nobody's been able to help me because I've been hard to move so Lord help me today help me today hear this message and be open and begin to meditate day and night on something different. Let me reevaluate what I enjoy. Is it distracting me from my bigger purpose and the goals of my life that I need to have in front of me? Father, let the sermon, I pray, speak to the hearts of your people. Let them leave here today inspired and changed. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you said, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I realize that I need to be easier to move. And the first thing I want to do is respond to God today with a prayer. I want to invite him in my life. I want to invite him into a flexible life that's teachable and reachable. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, whether you be here or at home, I want you to please with me. If you would please, if you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me because today I want to give my life to Christ. For you, that is the first step. I'm not talking about people who need to rededicate their lives. You've never really given your life. You want to say, I give my life to Jesus today. I I open my heart. I don't want to be inflexible, not one more day. If that's you, I want you to simply raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to see you. Who wants me to pray for him? I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I need you to pray for me today. I need to make a decision today. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Father, I pray for those who raise their hand, and I pray for those who raise their hearts today, both here and at home. I pray the Holy Spirit would touch them, that this would be the beginning of a new journey for them, that their lives will never be the same. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross to give us a chance to be free. He, Lord God, allowed himself to be broken so that we might be whole. 
And so today we come acknowledging our need for you, thanking you for your forgiveness and for a chance to start again. May this be the day we start our new walk with you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.